is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The Art of Charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Hey guys and gals, time for Fan Mail Fridays where I'll be answering your questions and dropping some knowledge and feedback to help you kick the weekend off right. If you're new to the Art of Charm podcast, this is not a great place to start. Most of our content is much more in-depth and longer format. So check the best of at theartofcharm.com slash best or the fundamentals toolbox at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got fundamentals of body language, nonverbal communication, attraction, negotiation, networking, and everything else we teach here at The Art of Charm. All right, let's cut to it. This question is from Franklin in Canada. He says, Jordan, I took your boot camp last year. It was an eye-opening experience, and I learned a great deal about myself, people, and how I interact with the world around me. I've gone over your material over and over again, trying to learn as much as I can. My goal is to be a high-value individual in all aspects of my life. All right, that's awesome. He says, but something happened to me recently that caused me to question everything I'd learned and apply. Uh, insert drama here. I thought I had this down, but this really got to me. I own a rental property, and recently an older woman inquired about my unit. I contacted her on the 11th of the month, and she only got back to me on the 20th. That never happens. Red flag number one. I asked her why it took her so long to respond, and she basically ignored me. Red flag number two. I then started asking her a few questions about her rental history, and she asked me why I was asking her all these questions. Red flag number three. I told her that I asked these questions of all my applicants, and as the brief conversation progressed, she got really condescending in the way that she talked to me, her prospective landlord. Red flag number four. After a while, I was getting rather frustrated. I started losing my composure. She said that she probably didn't want to rent from me. I responded with, good, bye, and hung up the phone. This really riled me. My question to you is, was this appropriate? I mean, it's my property. I'm only asking questions that will be in the rental application anyway. I've noticed this frequently happens with certain types of older women. They talk condescendingly to people younger than themselves. Mm. Uh, I've also seen attractive women do the same thing with men that approach them. This person really got my goat, as it were. How did this happen? Well, I, there's a lot in here, and I want to sort of back up the truck a little bit because the details of the question don't matter. I mean, at the end of the day, you hold all the cards. You're the landlord. This person, You learned a cheap lesson. This person would have screwed you over in some other way and cost you money instead of just aggravation and take it as your gut telling you that she's trouble. Now, here's the thing, though. This question is loaded with just invalid assumptions, and I bet you that you have these invalid assumptions, these invisible sort of scripts happening throughout your whole life. Uh, older women don't generally talk condescendingly. You probably have a little bit of confirmation bias in that, quote-unquote, older women or attractive women or any sort of group of people act a certain way because it's really impossible to generalize. So what I'm guessing here is, and and as you know, Franklin, I followed up with you via email and asked you some very personal questions. Um, you have a little bit of it, as my hunch suggested, a little bit of a contentious relationship with other females in your life. It's starting to color interactions that you're having with other people. Now, not that this woman was not out of line. I totally think she was. But now we're starting to see your past experiences creeping into color your perception of your current experiences. So it has nothing to do with older women, has nothing to do with attractive women, has nothing to do with women, has nothing to do with people has everything to do with you. So what I would say here is that whenever you get a feeling like this, whenever you sort of feel like, oh, this person you know, got my goat or this is getting to me, start to look at yourself, start to look at your own ego, and I am fully on board with this. I do this to myself all the time, and the answer's never comfortable, but very often useful, and start to think, what is it about this interaction that's really pushing my buttons? Because why is there a button in the first place? You ever notice how your family is really good at pushing your buttons? 
You know why that is? Because they installed those buttons in the first place. So start to think about why that button is there, and then you can help get those other people's fingers off of it. Because at the end of the day, they're not really pushing your buttons. I mean, maybe they are, but at the end of the day, they're kind of, they're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks, and you're pushing your own buttons. Uh, the other thing is before I have an emotional reaction, I would say, listen, Set an email, get a program called Boomerang for Gmail. In fact, if you just Google Boomerang for Gmail, I think it's literally like getboomerangforgmail.com or something. Set the email to Boomerang in two days, three days, a week if it's not urgent. And what that'll do is it'll, it'll shoot the message out of your inbox and it will return it in a few days. So you let the initial emotional reaction pass and then you can address it later. Same thing if you get a gnarly voicemail, a nasty text. You can put it on a to-do list and respond later. By the time you respond, you will have a much cooler head. This works really well for me. And uh, there's a story in Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, about, I, I'm pulling the, the names out of my you-know-what here, but I want to say it was Mark Twain or something like that, wrote a really nasty letter to someone, and later on he ended up making up with this person. The thing is, his wife never sent the letter. She folded it up, put it in a drawer, never sent it. So he got the cathartic experience of writing the letter, uh, and yet it never went out to the other person. You can experiment with that as well. You can type out a really nasty response. Don't do it in an email window because, you know, that's no good. Type it in a Word doc, delete it. Or save it, whatever you need to do, just don't send it. And I find that this, plus looking at why your buttons are there, plus uh, using Boomerang to circle back around when you have a cooler head, this all helps you manage all of that get-my-goat feeling. And then you can take the learning from figuring out why that annoys you so much and you don't have the consequences to deal with on the back end. This next one comes from, well, multiple people have asked this, but this next one comes from, uh, I can't really pronounce his screen name and he doesn't seem to have a real name, but of course. But he says, do you accept Bitcoin? Yeah, man, we definitely accept Bitcoin. In fact, uh, if you wanna pay for a boot camp in Bitcoin, you'll be the first person to pay for their whole boot camp in Bitcoin, which is easier now that Bitcoin is so high. I would love some Bitcoin, so definitely, yes, I will take Bitcoin. And I will, you can, I'll take pretty much anything, but Bitcoin would be a cool way to pay and you can make a little AOC history while you're at it. This next one comes from Chris. He says, hey man, I checked out your podcast episode on meeting people in a new city. I've been listening long enough to the show to always hear you prompt people to shoot you an email, so I hope this is welcome. Yes, it is. Email me, everybody, jordan at theartofcharm.com. He says, I noticed you and the guys putting a huge emphasis on drinking alcohol when meeting people in social groups. This is really disparaging to me. I don't really enjoy drinking and I've been trying to lean myself off of it. I think you mean wean. I already feel like there's a ton of social pressure and when I'm in a group of people to pour a lot of booze in order to have fun. Time and time again, I keep hearing this reinforced as though it's a requirement to having a good time and getting to know people. I just wanna know, do you have any other tactics to help me open up in a group or is alcohol the only key to that? No, I. in fact, most of the time when I go out, I don't bother drinking, I don't need to. Uh, AJ, he's 50-50, Johnny enjoys drinking more than probably all of us combined, and he'll do it, but sometimes he doesn't bother either. It's not a requirement. You probably hear us talking about it because a lot of the times when we go out, other people are drinking, sometimes we're having a couple drinks, or we say, you know, go out and have a couple drinks because it's such a common thing. It doesn't mean that it's a requirement. In fact, most of the time when I was going out, when I was first learning all this stuff, the putting yourself out there, the networking, the the meeting people, I wasn't drinking anything. One, it was expensive and I was a grad student. Two, it didn't really help my cause. I wanted to focus on meeting people, working on skills and things like that. I didn't need the alcohol, after a while anyway, to loosen up. So I would say if you don't like drinking, don't do it. It doesn't matter, no one's gonna care if you're not doing it, especially if, you're, if they're drinking too, they're never even gonna notice. So no, it's not, it's far from a requirement. In fact, 
it's a crutch, and as soon as you don't need to do it anymore, and, and you never do, by the way, then yeah, don't bother doing it at all. And you'll find that pretty soon, it doesn't make a difference. Last but not least, Ben says, I got a question I'm struggling with. Do you call people out when they obviously do something wrong, which might bring harm or discomfort to others, e.g. parking in a spot for the handicapped? I'm really unsure about this. Let me give you an example of why that is. I was at the supermarket with my son, and this lady parked in a mother-father-child spot without having any children with her. I think this is in a, another country. They have these like family spots for little kid, families with little kids. So I told her that this is a spot for families, and if she found it right to park there without having any kids with her. She bluntly told me, yes, F off, and left me standing. Having my son with me, I complained at the supermarket, and they had her remove her car. The thing I'm struggling with is this. On the one hand, I find this pretty annoying for young moms and dads that have to suffer under her small but still wrongdoing. On the other hand, arguing with a person like this only drains my energy and usually leads nowhere, except for me pondering about the interaction for half a day or so. What would you do in a situation like that? Well, I'm not 100% sure I'm the greatest role model to deal with in a situation like this, but I will tell you exactly what I would do. On another note, Jen just shot me a note that says, we have maternal and family parking spaces in America too. Shows you how observant I am when it comes to that sort of thing. But here's what I would do. Honestly, I think you did the right thing. It's really annoying that people decide that they can park in handicapped spots. In fact, I, I have a friend who has a handicapped sign, and he's not actually handicapped at all or disabled at all. And he'll park just anywhere the hell he wants, and he'll hang this stupid sign up. And frankly, I find it obnoxious. And I told him one day uh, after he'd hung it up, I said, hey, man, listen, uh, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You drove, you picked me up across town, but this kind of makes you look like a scumbag. I'm just throwing it out there. I, and, you know, we've been friends for a long time. So he took my input and he thought about it and he said, well, there's plenty of other ones. And he had his rationalizations there. And you do what you can. You can't force people to change their behavior. But I will tell you, not only was he my friend, but I would absolutely call out a stranger for that sort of thing. It depends on the situation. If there's three other family parking spaces right next to that one and they're all empty, eh, I might not say anything. However, if it's a crowded parking lot and she just felt entitled enough to park there and didn't care, I might not say anything to her because, geez, she knows where you parked, you're with your kid, you don't need her to go crazy. People who do things like that, not always, but generally, don't have other scruples that you might you know, worry about. You don't need her coming up and smacking you in front of your kid or something like that or slashing your car tires over something small like that. But I think you did the right thing by telling the manager at the supermarket and then having her remove her car. I think that's insane. Uh, she's obviously entitled, and the reason she's doing that is, frankly... Ben, because she's getting away with it. So the fact that they made her remove her car and that was embarrassing serves her absolutely right. And if more people stood up for the general welfare of others in the way that you have, I think the world would be a much better place. And I'll tell you what, if I saw a stranger parked in a handicapped spot and then just stroll right out of their car, yeah, I'd probably say something too. Not necessarily to them because again, not coming from a position of authority, you might end up with more trouble than you need, but I would absolutely complain to the establishment, if not simply call the police and have them towed. You're doing them a favor by correcting this sort of behavior because that's not actually helping them in the long run. Uh, people who do this have other problems as a result of that that are actually causing them to have a lower quality of life. And for God's sake, you're with your kid. Setting a proper example for standing up for what's right is something that most parents struggle to do day in and day out. So when you're given an opportunity like that, man, you gotta take it. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. 
But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Don't forget, you can reach me. I'm Jordan at theartofcharm.com. I read everything and I'd love to hear from you. More on AOC at theartofcharm.com. Now have a great weekend. Get out there and connect and leave everyone better than you found them. And don't park in any friggin' handicapped parking spaces, you jerks. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com.